In this episode of the NBA Cypher, we're talking Last Dance. We're going to get into ESPN's top 74 NBA players of all time. And that happens right now. So Howard Smith, H, as I like to call him, and I were having a conversation. We were talking last dance, and we were talking, has the perception of Scottie Pippen changed? And I said it shouldn't. What you should know is he is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And there's no question Scottie Pippen is a top 25 player of all time. That's what people should remember coming away from this doc. But were there moments where he was flawed? Yes. Just like there were moments when Michael Jordan has been revealed to be a flawed human. He's made some mistakes. He said some things I'm sure he regrets. Scottie Pippen, before the season started, that last season, 97-98, held out, waited to the last minute, waited till the season started to get his surgery done because he was unhappy with his contract. That's a decision Scottie made. In his own words, I'm not going to mess up my summer. That was what Scotty said. Then we got into the discussion of the playoff game versus the Knicks. 1.8 seconds left. Scotty did not want to go back in because the play was not drawn up for him. He pouted. He had a bad moment, a lack of judgment. Scotty did that. That actually happened. And when he was asked what would he do if he had a chance to do it all over again, he said he'd do the same exact thing. No one's making Scotty look flawed or human. These are Scotty's words. So we got into that 1.8 seconds. And H and I were discussing why Scotty felt the way he did and why he shouldn't have felt the way he did. Here's some of that. Michael Jordan wouldn't have had to go through that. They wouldn't have asked Mike to be a decoy. Right, because he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> but I don't want to leave it at just Michael Jordan. They wouldn't ask Kareem to be a decoy, and they wouldn't ask Larry Bird to be a decoy. They wouldn't ask Allen Iverson to be a decoy because there's levels to this. Scotty was a great player, but he stood a lot taller, pumped his chest out a lot further, when he was standing beside number 23. Because mm-hmm, uh, as a Nick fan, I remember in 92, X was all up in him, man. And he was – and he and he folded like a cheap tent, man, the first six games of this series. I don't care what nobody say. Which also reminds me of something. So I heard an interview where Charles Barkley basically said, well, Michael Jordan did – selective prosecution or something to that extent. And I guess the implication was Jordan only stepped to people he thought he could beat up. Whereas you heard from his teammates that actually wasn't the case. I'm not a Michael Jordan guy. You and I have talked about this. We both rooted against Michael Jordan. I know I did for almost all of his career. I can point out the four times I rooted for him. I rooted for him against the Pistons. I rooted for him when he was on the Dream Team. And I rooted for him both times they played the Utah Jazz. Any other time that man played, he was my enemy. But to try and say he was fake tough 
or he or he knew who not to step to. I think that's false. One, name me a time that every time there was a, an intense moment in a series, who was the first person to go nose to nose with anybody in any series? It wasn't Pippen. It wasn't Horace Grant or any of the other guys. It was Jordan. When Rodman shoved Pippen out of bounds, who got in his grill and shoved him? That would be Michael Jordan. When Xavier McDaniels was routinely punking Scotty, elbowing him, pushing him, shoving him, who got an X face and stepped up? That was Michael Jordan. There's no fake toughness in him. Now, I'm not saying Michael Jordan is Rick Mahorn or Charles Oakley, but the idea that he was one of those 1980s phony bullies where he only picked them the small of the week. I don't think so. I believe this about Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan was an equal opportunity jackass, but he was that way with everybody. Your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I think he's just one of them guys that just was willing to do it. He was willing to go for that extra mile just to win, man. And what it and what amazes me, and what's the reason that I have him over as the as as the greatest of all time. I mean, you can make an argument for Kareem, or you can make an argument for Magic. But to me, what separate to me in my view that what separates him from all all them others. I mean, you know, not to be putting down that, you know, the Chicago Bulls, but look look at that roster that he won, not one three-peat, two three-peats. Look, look at the, the cast of characters that he had on there. I mean, I don't see how he was able to to win six championships out of that out of that roster that he that he went to war with. Well, he did break the mold. So the mold was when he came into the league, you could have a great wing player or a great point guard, but you had to have some form of a dominant big, be it a center or a power forward or both. And he kind of broke the mold as being a wing player that could carry a team to a title without a great big. Yeah. He was unique in that way. I, I'll give you this. You have a point when you say that, that that Bulls team, even though they were celebrated and people talk about how great they were, they were a great team. But in terms of individual talent, they were not that talented. The two constants that everybody knows, Pippen and Jordan, those are stars. Now, obviously, Michael is a superstar. That guy and Pippen, the greatest sidekick ever, if you will. Horace Grant, a very good player, three-time All-NBA defender, very underrated. I would say, and I've said it before, he's a better all-around player than Dennis Rodman, but Dennis Rodman was more impactful when it came to the two things that he excelled at. But that was not a star-studded team. It wasn't full of all-stars. They had a lot of very good role players who stayed in their lane. When you went from Craig Hodges to John Paxson, to B.J. Armstrong, to Steve Kerr. All replaceable, but all efficient in one or two things they did very well. Same for Longley, Weddington, 
Scott Williams, Bill Cartwright, all their bigs fit into a certain a, a certain lane, and they had a certain job to do that they did well. They were all very physical, aggressive defenders and solid, not dominant rebounders. I'll yeah, grant I you. Mean... Let me just finish this real quick. At you, when you compare to my Lakers that Magic came into with Kareem, with Jamal Wilkes, with Norm Nixon, with Michael Cooper, later on James Worthy, Byron Scott, Bob McAdoo, Michael Thompson. No, it, they're, they're not on equal footing at all. And then you look at Bird Celtics, five of those dudes went to the Hall of Fame. That's enough said right there. So no, it's Pistons. Isaiah and Dumars are both Hall of Famers, and you can split Rodman's career. He's a Hall of Famer. So I would say you have a point when you're talking about in, a, in an individual sense, when you look at talent for talent, those bull teams, they were incredibly efficient. Everybody knew their roles. But on, on an individual level, they weren't that talented. They, they actually beat more talented teams. That Blazers team with the Drexler and and Terry Porter and Duckworth and Cliff Robinson, Buck Williams, those dudes, that was a more talented team in Chicago. So was that Phoenix Suns team that Barkley led. So was that CLC, uh, excuse me, the Supersonics led by Peyton and Kemp. You can't tell me. I, actually, the only team, and I told you this, that I thought, was on par with Jordan and the Bulls in terms of talent or lack thereof, but they were extremely efficient in, in a terrific team and bought into their system would be the Utah Jazz. Utah was not star-studdered. There was John Stockton, there was Carl Malone, and a bunch of guys that played and stayed in their lanes. I mean, <laughs> I know you were magic for you know, I know you're a magic Johnson fan. That's but- my guy. What if he? What if? I mean, I'm just looking at the team that Michael won 72, the team that he won 72 games with. If you would have told Magic Johnson, like, look, okay, you're gonna be playing with Randy Brown, Judge Bushler, Jason Caffey, James Edwards, Jack Haley, Ron Harper, Steve Kerr. Tony Kukoc, Luke Longley, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, John Sally, Dickie Simpkins, and Bill Winnington. I think Magic would be like, yo, I want to get traded. <laughs> All right, man. To be fair, don't don't be attacking my guy. What I what I would say is <laughs> I, I mean that's that's the I always consider myself fair. That That is a fair point. But what I would say is because of the leader that Magic was, and it was different from what Michael did and the player that Magic was, would they win six titles? Maybe they wouldn't win six titles, but I think Magic, they would win three or four. But, but I, I think Magic would find a way to – I mean, he was a great player in his own right. Maybe not the most athletic, but what we've learned, if you know basketball, the most athletic guy does not win games or titles by default. 
if if that were the case, Russell Westbrook would already have two or three titles. But I but I I feel you on that. Look, here's the thing: you and a lot of people have Michael Jordan number one. Obviously, the list just came out. Apparently, ESPN still has him number one, and I'm okay with the list. With I would have Kareem number one. And here's the funny thing. So I would have Kareem number one. You and I are about the same age. Obviously, you and I did not see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play in his prime. We probably both got to see him on the end of his career when he was in his late 30s, somewhere in that range. But what I would tell people was, late 30s, he was still getting buckets. In his late 30s, he won a finals MVP. And if you look at his basketball resume, I'm talking about high school, college, pros. There is no basketball player in the history of professional basketball that is more decorated than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Six-time MVP, six-time champion. That's crazy. Also a two-time finals MVP. He even made... Mm-hmm. Be defensive team 11 times. A lot of people wouldn't know that about Kareem because you think of buckets. And I know when we look at players and we see numbers, I always try to tell people don't let the career numbers fool you. They do matter. That they're, they're, they're a matter of fact. But a lot of players play late into their careers where they're no longer in their prime, so their numbers drop. What I would tell you is Abdul-Jabbar's first seven seasons in the NBA versus anybody for seven seasons in the NBA. I don't have a problem with anybody that thinks Michael Jordan's the GOAT. I'm just not one of them. I actually have Kareem ahead of him. I have it Kareem, Jordan, Magic, LeBron. Just a curiosity, what be your top five? Okay, um, Jordan, Kareem, Magic. Hmm. So you can't, uh, me, my, my personal opinion, I can't really put LeBron in the top five because his career is not over yet, you know? No, I hear you, and a lot of people, they, they take the same stand. I just happen to have him in the top five knowing that he could still climb up that mountain, knowing that he has an opportunity, he does, to be number one depending on what he does going forward in his career. I will say this, though. If all he does is put up numbers, that's not going to be enough. He's got to win titles. So when you saw ESPN's, we'll just do top 10 because we, you and I talked um, before the show about the top 74, which they, there is some really, I don't know how they come up with their rankings, but it's really bad. Some of them make no sense at all. But one that stood out to me was this. 
they have Scottie Pippen ranked 21st all time. And I, I, I thought that was kind of odd because they'd done this before. They'd done it like every year or every other year. And I think they had Scottie Pippen at 25 or 30. I'm just interested in how he got elevated like 10 or 11, you know, how he, how did he elevate? It's not like he could add to his career or his career has changed. I, I don't think you can be the 21st best player in the history of the NBA and you've never won at least one regular season MVP, at least one. Or you, or I, I'll grant you this. The season's MVP. Tell me you won a finals MVP, at least one. And he, he, he hasn't done either. I, I don't understand how he, mm. got, I don't understand how he got elevated the way he did. He is a great player, but he's not an alpha He's not a number one option. He was a number one option on a team that they scored by committee one season. A lot of people talk about that one year. And a lot of people misremember history and they go, well, they were one play away from going to the finals. They were one bad call away from going to the conference finals, not the finals. And somebody said, well, he led them in blocks and rebounds. No, he didn't. He led them in points and steals and assists. Horace Grant led them in blocks and rebounds. And then the very next season, they were struggling. They were barely over 500. They were 34 and 31. And his numbers were basically the same. But the team, it struggled. It wasn't as good. It wasn't as successful. This is not to take anything away from him. The same way you and I say, when people talk about how dominant Shaq was over a three-year period, I'm quick to point out three years does not make a career. The same should apply to Scotty when people were talking about, well, Scotty was great for one year. It was one great year. If you go down the list of NBA players who put up monstrous one game or one season, you know, had one career year, I'm judging you on what you do for your entire resume. The best version of Scottie Pippen was when he was standing beside that ball-headed guy. The best version of Scottie oh, Pippen, yeah. he's, he's not the 21st greatest player of all time. They actually have him ahead of somebody like Elgin Baylor. Are you serious? Dwayne Wade. <sighs> And nobody would debate. I, I, I told you this. I think we agree. Scottie Pippen might be, I think he's one of the three greatest perimeter defenders of all time. One of the five greatest defenders, period, of all time. But as a number one option, he wasn't Wade's equal. He didn't put a team on his back and carry it to finals title. And if we're keeping it all the way 100, Dwayne Wade was on the verge of winning a second finals MVP if he had got a little bit of help from his sidekick who chose not to show up in 2011. We all know that. Dirk won finals MVP, but the best player in that finals, that was Dwayne Wade. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this, too. Um, this is fresh in my mind. 
when you look at the top 10, you know, Pippen aside being ranked a lot higher than he should be, when you look at the top 10, what do you feel about Kobe and Shaq being 10 and 9? Well, um, my personal opinion, I don't have Shaq in my top 10. And maybe you can make a case of Kobe being 9 or 10. You're going to get put on the next Shaq in the full. <laughs> you can book it. He's petty, man. I'm just like he's gonna get you. I'm like, I'm like, whatever. But how can how how can people rate Shaq um Shaq over Akeem, man? And when they went head to head, Akeem outplayed him and swept him in the in the in the finals. So this is what I'll say, um, just for backstory. Yeah, look, Shaq, the, the three Pete Lakers over that run. I'm with anybody that points out in within that three year period, the most dominant player in the NBA to a degree. He was super dominant in the finals, but along the way, he was a monster. He had a second monster in that team too. That was number eight. Yeah. But when you when he played against Elijah and he had another great wing player, Penny, they were favored to bust Houston up. Everybody thought this was the new beast of the East because they had beat the Bulls with Jordan, even though he, he just came back. He came back, I think, the last 17 games of the season. But after they dropped the ball guy, everybody was like, Orlando's about to run the league. And the Rockets had another plan, and they swept them. You can tell me that Shaq was more dominant than Olajuwon, and I will agree with you 100%. I'm also going to retort and tell you that Olajuwon was a better player than Shaq. He was a more skilled player. He was as impactful because defensively, it wasn't close. Olajuwon was one of the greatest defenders of all time. Despite being a great scorer, he was their best defender on, on, on defense and their number one option on offense. And we're not talking about old school big, throw it into him, power dribble, and just go over you. No. This guy, when he caught the ball, he moved like a forward. He crossed other centers up. He had a fadeaway, the dream shake, up and under, step through, hook shot. His arsenal was insane. Another topic we got into was how do you rank the iconic players who spent most of their primes in the 50s and 60s like Chamberlain and Russell and Robertson? What about a George Mikan? How do we rank them on an all-time list, be respectful to their iconic careers when, com- when we compare them to today's players? And H made a really good analogy, and here's some of that conversation. I mean, like you said, like players like Bill Russell and Dr. J, you know, Oscar Robinson and Rick Barry and them, 
they kind of like the KRS and Cool Herc, man. I don't think you can really like rank them. They should just be just in a separate wing. You know what I mean? You know what? You just made the best analogy of the day, H. I, I kind of like that. I, I kind of like that. You're right. When you're talking about Russell and Chamberlain, the big O, Rick Barry, Pete Maravich, John Havlicek, Dave Cowens, um, even Clyde Frazier and Willis Reed, those kind of players. Now, they're, they're, they're old school hip hop. You said it. Cool Herc. You said it. Cool Modi. Run DMC. You know what I'm saying? I, I like that. I like that analogy a lot. And, and I think that's respectful to hold them that way. It's hard to quantify their greatness unless you saw it. And, you know, most of us didn't get to see it. We've seen the numbers, and, and you can see some of the old black and white highlights. Only somebody was who was there could have a real appreciation for And I'm not disrespecting, because like I said, these are iconic players, but I think they should go in their own special category um, just because they, I don't want them to get lost in any kind of shuffle. That's that's just my opinion. I'm it's it's hard enough, right? Judging players from the more recent past, you know, the two thousands, the nineties, versus some of the players right now who are already staking their own case for being all time greats, or to the guys that just recently retired, like Duncan, like Wade, like Paul Pierce. T Mac's been gone a few years. I'm just saying, all these kind of guys, Kevin Garnett. These are great all-time players. On the next episode of the NBA Cypher, more of my conversation with H about ESPN's Top 100. We're going to both give out our Top 10. Also, let me throw out a couple of benches. Isaiah Thomas at number 31 is criminal. He should be ranked ahead of Nash, Iverson, Stockton, and Giannis. Matter of fact, when you hear my Top 10, you're going to be shocked. Another thing, Clyde Drexler at number 57, that's too far down. I would have Clyde Drexler ahead of Reggie Miller at 49. Reggie Miller, better shooter. Clyde Drexler, better player. Carl Malone at 17, I'm good with. I think Scottie Pippen at 21 is a little bit high. We're going to get into all those things. Also, we're going to do our iconic top 10. We're talking about the players who spent their primes 50s, 60s, early 70s. We're going to get into all that on the next episode of The Cypher.